0: Welcome to Excellent Adventures, where I, your host, Ruth Sweeney, take a step away from my duties as a radio and TV personality and give you a first-hand look at my other love, backyard chickens and homesteading. Take a listen to conversations I have with others who are in farming, homesteading, and connected brands. And some of those conversations go a little like this. She does say I have too much, though. She says <laughs> I have
1: too many, but I don't think I have enough.
0: The chicken math started mathing. <laughs> yup, yup. It's never ending.
1: I only started with like four laying hens. Now I have over 100 chickens and geese equipment.
0: So the first question we ask everybody that comes on to the Excellent Adventures, what was your old cluck moment? The first thing that comes to mind is when the first time I got locked inside one of my own chicken. Cookies. We talk about the highs, the lows and everything in between. Now, let's see who's on this episode of Excellent Adventures. All right, we are back for another episode of Excellent Adventures. And this time we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Purina formula himself. The king of the beakers is in the building. Dr. Patrick Biggs has come down. He's gracious with his presence. Shout out to Haley. We appreciate you. And yes, we're here to talk everything about chicken nutrition, life cycle and more. Absolutely. So, of course, if you guys don't know, uh, Dr. Biggs is one of the the brains behind formulating the nutrition for chicken nutrition and poultry nutrition with Purina. Um, we've been using the products on our, our farm and backyard homestead, and we've got excellent production, pun intended um and our, our our chickens are really happy every time i break out that bag they go crazy the ducks go crazy the goats slowly and to have you here is like really special man so it's, it's, it's cool to get a celebrity in the building especially a chicken world celebrity you know the origin story because i unless you grew up saying i want to be a chicken daddy a chicken farmer daddy or a chicken uh cook <laughs> how did you get into like poultry and uh poultry science
1: yeah I, so I grew up in a city. I'm not, okay. uh, I'm not a farm kid.
0: Same me. I grew up yeah. in New Jersey, so, so I get it.
1: You know, like most, like I was interested in animals mm-hmm. and like most kids who probably start in the city, it was wanting to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you go off to school and you start getting into that and you're like, there are more options than just going to be mm-hmm. a veterinarian to working with that. And, uh, you know, you take all the different animal classes and, mm-hmm. Um, I actually had pet cockatiels okay. at the time. So that's kind of where, where the, the seed got started okay. uh, working with a, a, you know, pet store at the time. And I had cockatiels and then, you know, it was the pet store was pushing us to understand nutrition so and sell the, yeah. the dog food in that to, <laughs> okay. to the customers. So it was kind of a combination of all of those things. And then as I got into classes, I met with the poultry professor Okay, and, I uh, was talking to him and he found out I had pet birds and okay. was interested in that. And then that's kind of where he um, kind of took an interest in mm. me. And then we helped, we built that relationship. And then I ended up going to grad school, working with him, doing work in, uh, in in chickens.
0: Okay. Chicken. That's where it started. The egg was laid in college. I see. Okay. So, man, that's pretty cool. Like I grew up just, I'm almost the same, wanting to be a veterinarian. I always had all types of different animals and stuff like that and then i went the totally different route i went in the radio but uh it's brought me to you here so it works (laughs) so what was like we, we asked everybody here what was your old cluck moment that moment that you know okay i am a a poultry guy now like what was that moment you realized this is you this is your life
1: guess it was probably when you get that first job but Mm. you know it took me probably a minute or so to kind of wrap my head around doing chicken nutrition Mm. and that um for me it was probably during grad school and the things that i was working on were actually interested in pop Mm. culture type stuff so at the time that um i was going through grad school it was really the time where animal rights and okay became a big thing right 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 um the big thing at the time was uh, withdrawing feed from chickens for mm-hmm. long periods of times to get them to go into molt, which was a standard practice in the commercial poultry industry. Okay. Um, and then the animal welfare groups were really taking issue with that. Mm-hmm. So my first project was looking at how we can get the same or similar results without having to withdraw feed and starve mm-hmm. the chickens for right. you know, 14 days at a time. Um, and, and so there was a lot of interest in that mm. i know there, you know a lot of the fast food restaurants were very interested in what mm. that was going on and you know over time you know the work that i did with and the others that were doing that stuff mm. kind of helped kind of turn the industry standard so that practice of withdrawing feed for mm-hmm. um, multiple days is no longer in practice and so right. we found ways that you can get similar results and still provide food to the birds and kind of support them through that period and get that stuff um and so it, i mean it was ultimately just the grad school stuff that really kind of got me interested in and i started doing work with things like prebiotics and probiotics things to support gut health mm. and that's kind of been where my career has followed me mm-hmm. as you know in my professional career is doing that to you know what kind of feed additives can we put in the products uh, you know i spent my first i you know I know eight ten years working in more in commercial production mm-hmm. uh, and then making that transition from the commercial production where it's all about maximizing profit yeah um, getting the most amount of eggs out of your animals was the big thing to coming to purina and mm-hmm. switching to more of the backyard uh, variety where the targets the goals aren't quite the same mm-hmm. uh, it's more about kind of you know people who have four or five chickens don't necessarily care. Yeah. They
0: have 200 eggs in a day. Right. right? (laughs) Right?
1: So it's kind of big going from that transition of how can I, you know, get the feed least expensive Mm -hmm. and maximize production out of those animals to how can I support those birds Mm -hmm. through all of the trials and tribulations that, uh, backyard owners and their chickens go through. Right. Um, a lot of those people who start with chickens, have never raised chickens Mm -hmm. may have never raised an animal in their life. Chickens might've been the first animal they've gotten to. And, Mm -hmm. um, they're surprisingly easy to take care of, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're (laughs) always worried about, I'm responsible for these chickens. Mm -hmm. I don't want to screw it up. Right. And and so it's, it's more about that emotional connection with the animals. Mm -hmm. They're similar to how you would care for a dog and cat. You know, it's they're part of your family Mm -hmm. for a lot of people and, um, kind of, making that transition from not thinking of them as livestock to thinking of them as like of, pets, like pets, like pets family yeah. members. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it's been a fun journey.
0: Yeah. I, I could tell, man, I, I really like what you were saying. When you, when you switch over to Purina, it's not just about, okay, let's try to turn and burn these birds. Now it's about, you got different stages. You have your chicken in you, uh, we don't care about making them just be for production. So there's other things going on too. And um, I, I really enjoy that you enjoy getting into that part of it.
1: Right. And, you know, it's it's the thing I also enjoy is working with the people and trying to educate them on how to care for those birds. Yes. And kind of answer those questions because there's all sorts of questions. And, you know, how do you know where to go to really find out there's not a great source of information, although the internet has certainly expanded yeah. that, but sometimes you mm-hmm. have to sort
0: through what's. Oh no! Sometimes, all the time, you got <laughs> to sort all right. through all the all time. Right. You no, don't no, have, no, to nice, right. is, no, have to be nice, Doc. This is yeah. This is uh, this is just sort fact from crap. Right, right. right. Can
1: be a, bit of a challenge. So um, I do enjoy kind of working with the, the people and kind of helping them work through their questions, trying to provide a source of truth for them mm-hmm. as to what they need to be doing to raising their animals, things. They need Mm -hmm. to be thinking about all of the considerations, you know, when do I feed what food, you know, what do my chickens eat? What do my rooster eat? Mm -hmm. What do my ducks need? Can I feed them all the same thing? Or, you know, what can I mix together? It's Mm -hmm. all of those things and predators and everything else, all of the things that you don't necessarily think about when it comes to, um, Raising an animal in your backyard.
0: Right. I mean, that's that's very key in what you're saying. Uh, What I what I do like is we can I guess we can kind of get into like cycle because as a backyard chicken owner, like you said, you get these birds and they're kind of like pets They become family kind of because you are seeing their personality and it's not a farm, right, per se. So when the chicken is not when it gets older, not producing anymore, we're not just letting it loose or making it dinner. Like this bird is probably going to retire in our backyard. So can you take me through that? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still like three years into this, right? Yeah. So
1: yeah. I mean, you're going to start to see some changes. So your chickens are going to be really productive for about the first three years of their life. So mm-hmm. You get good egg production, you know, almost an egg a day. Mm-hmm. Each of those chickens for up to that period at three years of age. That's when production starts to to taper off, okay. Um, you know, they're they're like any animal that as you get older, you're, you're less reproductive. Yes, um, that's just how it is. You know, I know we look at the websites and all of the things about you know my chickens can produce 300 eggs a year. Mm-hmm. That's really the first year mm-hmm. that you get that, and then every year after that, it's a little, it's you know, fewer eggs. Maybe it's you know, 250 the second year, mm-hmm. and then it's 200 the third year, and then. As you progress into years four, five, and six, the number production still drops more. You're mm-hmm. starting to go every other day, maybe every two days, mm-hmm. every three days. Um, and then usually between about years six and eight, that's when egg production really starts to, to taper off for those. That's she's kind of hitting her. Um, you.
0: There you go. You're <laughs> not the only one who's got the tons. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so she's going to start to slowly go out of egg production mm-hmm. and usually by eight years of age, we figured that they're mostly out of production. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of figuring out how do you feed those birds and keep yeah. them healthy, making sure they get the right thing because, you know, a high calcium diet is um, necessary for chickens because they have to make eggshells and they have to get that calcium from their diet
0: to make those eggshells. And you guys do a great, with formulating that. Like we've got the, the pellets, we got the Omega three, you got these different types of feed that help with egg production, right? But as they keel back, they don't need all of that. They
1: don't need all of that. And so as they get older, then it's more of kind of looking at, can, is there a low calcium feed Mm. that you can do? use for those birds. And so we have one called flock razor. That's kind, kind of what you would, as those birds are kind of hitting their twilight <laughs> right. um, and heading into retirement, uh, you know, continuing to feed them a high calcium layer feeds, not necessarily going to be the best for their overall health. Okay, um, And so switching them to a low calcium feed is much better for those birds as they get older. Now uh, there's always the struggle of If you only have one coop Mm. and you have different ages, it gets to be a challenge feeding, um, separately. So, you know, there are options that you can do to think about how I can feed, provide the best nutrition for the entire flock. Mm -hmm. One option is to feed everybody flock raiser, which is a low calcium feed. Mm -hmm. So everybody's going to get the nutrition that they need, but then also provide supplemental oyster shell, put it in a separate container. Put it in there for the birds and and birds are actually pretty good about eating to meet nutrient requirements okay so they will eat the oyster shell to get the extra calcium that they need to make those eggshells so Mm. your younger birds who are still in the midst of egg production Mm -hmm. will spend more time eating out of the oyster shell uh, container and then the older ladies who don't necessarily need that calcium Are going to ignore it for the most part.
0: Mm, That makes so much sense. Look at look at these trade secrets we're getting right now. Okay.
1: But but the problem with that is you are relying on the bird to To make the choice. To make that choice. So your egg production of those younger birds Mm -hmm. might not be as good Mm -hmm. if they were eating that all of that calcium in their layer feed. So you know, there's always trade-offs with Mm -hmm. with all of those things, but you get to figure out what's best. Is egg production are you valuing egg production mm-hmm. more or is it the quality of life and getting the right nutrition for everybody in there gotcha. So. and gotcha and for most backyard people mm-hmm. that might have 10 or 20 chickens getting 10 or 20 eggs a day yeah that's a lot pretty fast it's very fast you don't necessarily need 100 <laughs> percent egg production out of mm-hmm. this bird so maybe trading off a little uh egg production for some peace of mind yeah. knowing that <laughs> Um, you know, Loretta and Henrietta and whatever, the Oprah Henfrey you know, getting the nutrition that she needs Mm -hmm. um, and you're not causing problems.
0: Gotcha. 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 Let's talk about, uh, roosters too. When you have roosters in your flock, a lot of backyard people don't have them cause they got HOAs or this rule that rule. But if you have a rooster in your flock, what, what kind of feed should we be doing? Cause they don't lay eggs. They
1: don't lay eggs. And- Hopefully
0: your roosters not laying eggs. <laughs> if your
1: roosters laying eggs, you give us a call. Yeah, we- <laughs>
0: we're we're
1: going to get you on the show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's a big misconception and it's a big challenge when it comes to birds, mm. any bird, um, not just chickens, but ducks and turkeys. And yeah. if you got game birds, um, it's one of the few animals where the males and females have drastically different requirements mm-hmm. because the female needs the extra calcium to make those eggshells and the males don't, mm-hmm. so they don't need a layer feed. So really it's best if you're not feeding your roosters layer feed. Okay. Uh, what that does is they have to get rid of all that extra calcium and it goes to their kidneys mm. and it causes some kidney damage and it can lead to kidney failure, mm. some other health issues. And ultimately it's going to shorten the lifespan, uh, of your rooster. So, um, I always, I always joke with my people that it really depends on how you feel about your roosters, <laughs> <That> Makes <laughs> so, sense. you know, it's kind of what you want to do, but to, to, provide him the best nutrition is to really put him on flock raiser, which mm-hmm. would be a, a low calcium feed, um, that Purina offers. Um, And that's going to be what he really needs and Mm -hmm. what's going to get him to thrive best. So, again, if you're housing the males and the females together in the same coop, Mm -hmm. making sure that he's eating that and the layers are getting the layer feed, it it gets to be a challenge. Now, if you have, you know, the standard size chickens, Mm -hmm. the roosters tend to be a little taller. So one way you can work around that is put feed in a separate feeder, Mm -hmm. flock raiser in it it up a little higher so that your roosters can still get to it mm-hmm. and that the ladies can't. Okay. Uh, and then hopefully the rooster will spend more time eating out of that flock raiser, that low calcium feed. Mm-hmm. Again, they are pretty good at eating to meet their nutrient requirements. So, um, hopefully he'll realize that that layer feed isn't the best nutrition for right. him. And he will spend his time eating out of the flock raiser, the low calcium feed and the hens will eat their layer feed and still maintain egg production. So there isn't a perfect solution mm-hmm. when it comes to housing males and females together. But, um, if you want to be sure that your roosters are getting the best nutrition, they shouldn't be only offered a layer of a- feet.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And I, I, mean, like you said, it's not perfect, but it's something, it's, it's a way of kind of a workaround. So that makes a whole lot of sense. So, cause you, you, you know, when you play the chicken game and you start catching chicken and you buy some baby birds, that are all supposed to be hens. I always end up with the rooster. Right. <laughs> so that's a cool like trick to kind of play right, with.
1: Because as much as they try to sex the chickens mm-hmm. and make sure that they're only getting hens, that's not 100% foolproof. Yeah. And there are some breeds of chickens that are just so small out of the egg Yeah. That they can't sex them. And so I call those straight run. And so mm-hmm. there's a 50-50 <laughs> chance that they're males. Yeah. That, you know, half of those are males. And yeah, so you do run that risk.
0: Yeah, you do. I've ran it a few times. <laughs> ran it a few times, right? Yeah. So tell me about uh, when, when you get to Purina, like your dreams have come true, and now, <laughs> now you're a Purina scientist. Right. <laughs> what was like one of those jobs that you had to do when you get there? You were like, "Oh, this is going to be a challenge, but this is going to be fun."
1: Well, I think the the biggest one was adjusting from the commercial mindset mm-hmm. to um, the more backyard pet yes. setting and adjusting my expectations um, about how to feed the birds because mm-hmm. what we need to feed the birds for maximum production is not necessarily what they need
0: to for, long no life ever, and or everything or right, life, right right right
1: you know you, you have to think a lot of the research that is done for chickens is mm-hmm. based on birds that are two years old or younger. Mm. Like most commercial chickens aren't, don't make it longer than two years. Right. After two years, they're just not productive enough and it costs yeah. too much to keep feeding them.
0: I see that. I have a couple, like we saw, I had a couple rescue birds and they were right at two to three years old and their condition was terrible. Yeah. Like, and you could tell that they were overproduced, uh, not cared for in a way and when i got them and switched it over and got them on Pure in the feed i promise they're not paying me to say this this is just really what happened right i got them on Pure in the feed and you can see dramatically the difference like their energy level the amount of feathers that they have even the production it may not be a, a popping out like that but it it is still pretty high you know i can just tell they're more happy
1: right and so it's been it's been fun to try and balance the commercial production side of what we understand about chickens Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to translate that into the backyard setting and then make adjustments Mm -hmm. to the nutrition based on what the backyard chicken needs and then you also have to remember in a commercial setting we're using basically white Mm leghorns. um you know it's a high production bird but then look at you know, your own flock. Mm-hmm. How many different breeds of chickens do you have? Too, got, many. too
0: many. <laughs> <laughs> I lots and right. lots of different ones.
1: And then you have to balance the needs of a bird who has the potential to lay 300 eggs per year, mm-hmm. the one who's only going to lay 50 eggs per year. Right. So you, you got this wide range of egg production in there mm-hmm. again. And then you've got some of your chickens who are, you know, four or five, maybe six pounds. Mm-hmm. And then you've got some of your smaller ones that might only be two or three pounds. Mm-hmm. So, Trying to figure out how to put together a formula, a, a feed that's mm-hmm. going to meet the majority of those requirements and keep those birds healthy, um, it is it is a fun task to do, and you know it makes it more challenging because yeah. it's you know people have been studying poultry nutrition for a hundred plus years. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of information out there, but you know there's not a lot on these backyard birds, yeah. and so it's fun to. You know, as as a scientist, you always want to try and explore uh-huh. and find something new. And so, this is kind of uncharted territory. Especially like we talked about earlier, getting into those birds that are four, five, six, mm-hmm. eight. You know, uh, the average lifespan of a chicken is probably about ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, the the world record is somewhere in the twenty two year range. Yeah. So, those birds can live for a really long time. Yes, <laughs> uh, and they're not necessarily going to produce eggs for that long. So, it, it's trying to figure out how you care for those birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, working with the, the human side of that equation, mm-hmm. explaining to them, that, you know, most people are like 22 years. Like, yeah. I got to keep these birds for that long <laughs> Right. You know, that's unfortunately the people in the backyard that, doesn't always work out that way. Mm-hmm. Predators, right, right, right. Predators are a big problem,
0: and HOA presidents. <laughs> it's lots of things <laughs> that H-O-A. can like affect yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, the
1: neighborhood dogs. Sometimes it's uh-huh. vehicles. And, you know, yeah. accidents happen, and so on and so forth. But um, you know, trying to get everyone to understand
0: yeah. what to expect. It makes a lot of sense. It's almost like catering a wedding. It's like, OK, these people don't eat this. They eat, they're vegan. They're vegetarian. Right. But I got all these people coming. So I got to make the correct right. spread. But right. with the chickens, it's not like they can't pick, you know, each one. Right. So you got to kind of put it all together. Right. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Let's talk about care, because we've seen the coops. I bet this is how I met you on the Internet. <laughs> I've seen you talking from the Purina coops. Tell me about some things we should have, like some must-haves. You got somebody out there, they're getting chickens for the first time, or they've had chickens, but they want a better setup situation. What are some of the must-haves that we need for a coop?
1: Right. So coops are, there's a wide variety that you can get. Um, I would say the thing that is probably the biggest one is getting one that's sized appropriately one for your chickens Mm -hmm. and maybe also for yourself. Okay. So if you want to get in there and clean those chicken coops, mm-hmm. um, you know, having one that you can either get in mostly yeah, and mostly. stand up, you know, maybe, maybe you can't stand up fully, mm-hmm. but, um, and no one really wants to crawl around right. in the coop and the run on their hands and knees. Yeah. All the chicken manure <laughs> and everything else that's down there. Right. Um, so having something that you can, Get in and out of easily. Um, mm-hmm. You can clean easily. It is great. Um, you know, the other big thing is going to be predator protection. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. I yeah. would say. Um, you know, even if you live in a city, there are predators out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put a buffet of chicken in your backyard,
0: and chickens are delicious to not just humans,
1: right? Everything right. loves chicken. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, you know the raccoons, the foxes, mm-hmm. the hawks. Um, snakes, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Sometimes it's the neighborhood kids, yeah. The wild, the dogs and cats that mm-hmm. roam the neighborhood. Those are all things that are potential,
0: you know. Possums, yeah, possums,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Mink, you yeah. Know, you got all of those. There's a whole anything basically that has teeth. Recos,
0: likes chicken? Possums, yeah. Right.
1: It's all of that is potential for you know turning your chickens yeah. into dinner, and uh, unfortunately, m- most first time chicken owners get a coop and they think it's safe for their chickens Mm -hmm. and uh unfortunately they wake up one day and it's a massacre and
0: there's just feathers everywhere right and it's
1: not something you want to go through and so it's kind of a constant battle of figuring out how you can predator proof that coop you know, sometimes it's, you know, making sure you're using the right wire. Yeah, because chicken don't, wire. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, chicken wire is great for keeping your chickens mm-hmm. where you want chickens, mm-hmm. um, but it's not great for keeping any, everything else away from your chickens. Yeah. You know, foxes, raccoons, all of that stuff. They, that stuff's pretty flexible and yeah. pretty persistent. They'll widen that chicken wire so that they can get through some mm-hmm. um, hardware cloth, that welded wire. Yeah. Uh, it's more expensive. Uh, it's but worth it. But it is worth it because it's definitely going to keep that, and then keep it small, probably about a half inch square opening mm-hmm. on that. That's going to keep out most things, and then you can also it helps too if you bury that uh, wire down into the ground about six inches okay. deep, and then if you can run it out parallel to the ground a little mm-hmm. further, maybe another almost six. like a
0: like, a L. like, like an, an L, like make like an L, yeah, okay. And
1: then that's going to keep things from trying to dig yeah. under the coop mm-hmm. um, and, and getting in there as well. Um, you know, those are big things. Anywhere that you've got a door or a window or some sort of opening, uh, you need to have some sort of wire mesh.
0: And you know, a lock. And a lock. that A lock that a three-year-old can't get into.
1: Right. They do sell predator-proof. So, mm-hmm. that, like, hook and eye loops mm-hmm. are what commonly get used. But those are, are pretty easy for mm-hmm. a fox or a raccoon you know, yeah. to flip up. and mm-hmm. Um, They go, But they do make some that are kind of spring-loaded and Mm -hmm. harder for them. So get predator-proof locks are are great things to do. Um, Any windows or doors, Mm -hmm. anything that's going to be open should have a a mesh. Don't rely on, like, if you have a screen, Mm -hmm. just a a a, a, mesh screen for a window, it needs something else behind it because those mesh screens aren't going to stop something from hitting it hard enough Mm -hmm. or tearing into it and getting through. Um, You know, space is always... Something to think about, you know, we talk at 10 square feet mm-hmm. per chicken. Um, that's a combination of both the coop and the run area. So okay. The Coop would be the indoor part. Mm-hmm. So keep that probably figure two to three square feet per bird. Uh, the run area really, you can go as large as you want. It's just okay. up to yeah. you. Like just the bigger it gets, the more expensive it gets yeah. to, to fence in and protect. Um, and then you always have to kind of keep in mind, you know, you've commented on chicken math. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> uh, you, you might start with five or six chickens. Um, and then if it's allowed, you might end up next thing, you know, you got 20, 30, 40, 40. chickens. Yeah. So um, if you can't expand the coop, then maybe think about maybe adding a second coop, mm-hmm. you can add multiples. So, you know, keeping all of that in mind, you know, you've got electricity is mm-hmm. always a concern. Um, how are you going to, Store food. How are you mm-hmm. going to store water? You know, you don't. You want to keep pests out, rodents mm-hmm. um, out of the feed. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the easiest way for you to get water to them? If you live in an area where it freezes, how are you going to get water to them in the winter? Are your hoses going to freeze up, and then you're going to have to haul buckets of water from the house? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, electricity comes in handy because it helps you to clean things. It also helps you during the winter months when it's cold. You can put heaters in mm-hmm. to kind of help keep the water um and heaters for the water not for the chicken not for the chicken yeah we, we certainly right. don't want you yeah the frying chicken and yeah the, in the, the cool. chickens are actually going to be surprisingly tolerant mm-hmm. of cold weather so um, they don't need a heat source out there okay um, but keeping the water from freezing is, is a big thing especially if it depending on where you're at so you can keep that you know there are lots of options we use uh, like bird bath heaters okay so we have at purina at our research farm in uh st louis
0: yeah and it was pretty cold in st louis they yeah it does get cold, cold. It, yeah. it's,
1: we've had some times where it's gotten down into the negative digits and yes. stays there for a while uh and so we've tried several different things there are um heated water fountains mm-hmm. that you can get that plug in and don't you know keep the water from freezing Mm -hmm. um we found the most success with actually using bird bath heaters okay so we use those the key thing you have to remember here is it's electricity and water yeah yeah so there's risk to yourself and Mm -hmm. your chickens Mm -hmm. and you just whatever you're doing to run electricity out to your coop Make sure that you're doing it safely, Safely. right? Um, You know, if you have to run lines from the house out Mm -hmm. to the coop, you know, working with an electrician or Mm -hmm. someone who knows what they're doing is certainly a benefit because that's that's a pretty tragic accident that's easily prevented. So yeah,
0: I can see that. I'm glad you said that. I've seen people online like putting heat lamps in their coop, and I'm like, please don't do that because I've seen how much dust uh, chickens accumulate. Yeah. I mean, heat
1: lamps are, they get, they're very hot. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of dander that comes off of your birds and Mm -hmm. uh, they're not strong flyers, but they do jump and Mm -hmm. flap and they knock it down and,
0: you know, barn fires can happen,
1: right? It's, you know, we see it every spring when people are raising young birds in Mm -hmm. the houses with those heat lamps, starting fires, we see stories every winter of somebody's Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the coop catching on fire and then you know they're frying their chickens right yeah,
0: there. Right, it's not what nobody wants. To, yeah. you didn't buy those chickens for rotisserie. Right.
1: That's not right. the fried chicken you want.
0: At all. At all. The
1: Colonel does not approve
0: <laughs> of that. No, no seven herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> so let let's talk about that too. Um, when you're brooding chicks, right? Um, some of the things that we we need to have, because I've switched from heat lamps. Now I use the heating plates. Um, I'm now using puppy pads when I do ducks because they make so much mess. And with the, the chickens, I use like hemp bedding. But tell us, like, some must haves, like when we're brooding babies.
1: So, is, I mean, those are the key things food and water, mm-hmm. um, a heat source. Um, and you know, this, those plates are certainly the preferred method because there's less risk of fire with that. Um, you know, um, you know, bedding material is going to be important, you know, something down. We want to make sure that the environment that the chickens are being raised in is something that you have a little more control over so Mm -hmm. a lot of times people you know the first several weeks you might want to raise those birds maybe indoors Mm -hmm. or you know in a garage or maybe if you've got a barn that you can control the temperature in Mm -hmm. uh, you know that's always a possibility Um, but you know it likes they like it to be nice and warm so think about 95 degrees fahrenheit during that first week mm-hmm. and then you can slowly drop that temperature about five degrees a week after that but then okay. i always say you know use those numbers as a guideline mm-hmm. but really watch the birds and, and let them really guide you um as to what the temperature needs to be so if you find that they're all huddling under the heat source mm-hmm. then it needs to be a little warmer in there Uh, If you find that they're staying as far away from the heated area as possible, then it's probably too hot. So then we need to lower it. So, And then just making sure that they're getting the right food. Um, They need to be on a starter feed, um, you know, till they're about 18 weeks of age. Mm -hmm. Uh, So stay on that. If you're using a medicated feed, uh, we have our start and grow medicated feed is medicated with amprolium. So it's not an antibiotic. Mm -hmm. So if that's a concern, you don't have to worry about that. Um, That's there to prevent against a parasite that's fairly common in chickens called uh, coccidiosis. Um, And so that medication keeps that coccy parasite from becoming a big problem um, in your birds and keeps them healthy as possible. But if you are feeding them the medicated feed, you need to feed that to them until they transition to. A layer feed okay um, it's not something that really you should feed for four or six weeks and then like all right now that's fine mm-hmm. I can switch them over if there's coccidiosis in the environment uh, if you take them off the medicated feed then they're going to be exposed to it mm-hmm. Um and those birds grow really fast and if they have to spend some of that nutrition that you're feeding them fighting, fighting up, a, yeah. uh, that challenge. they're not growing they're not developing at the right rate and so um, the feed is intended to get those birds to kind of the right body size at 18 weeks Um, this is one of those situations where we don't want those birds to grow too fast or too slow it's about getting them to grow just right so 18 weeks their body is developed properly for them to to lay eggs Uh, especially you know and you're keeping these birds you know maybe for 8 15 maybe it's 20 years Mm -hmm. um you know that the first feed is really the most important thing. And that's where you're, you're going to make the most mistakes that are going to have long-term implications. There. Mm-hmm. so keeping them on a good starter feed um, is really the best thing you can do and keeping them on it till they're at least 16 weeks of age.
0: Okay. Um, good stuff. Good stuff to know. It's really, it's really informative because like you said, the, the, that first feed is going to be really important. It's like you start them off right, they end up right. right. It's like teaching a kid how to read early. <laughs> i definitely understand all right let's have a little fun with this thing it was because i'm sure that uh over at perina i know you guys have the, the coops there do you have your own personal pet chickens as well i
1: do not have oh. personal
0: chickens okay
1: where i live you my have... hoa does not allow chickens well we
0: gotta move doc <laughs> <laughs> but i got you but every day you come to work and you got your own flock your own access to the right. flock yeah, we have 12
1: we have 12 coops at the farm okay so,
0: um, living a dream.
1: Living the dream. So we have 150 <laughs> plus birds there. That Sheesh. We can do all of our research with, and we get the eggs
0: from those birds. all right so, And different, different. So, so what are some of the different breeds that are there?
1: Oh, what? So in the past, we've only we've stuck with uh, barred rocks. Okay. Um, but this year, we've branched out, and we've got I think six or eight different breeds. So mm-hmm. we've got some silkies. Mm. Um, I. Gosh, I'm trying to remember what all, there's some Delaware's, some Columbia's, some
0: Wyandotte's, some Easter eggers. Okay. Uh, um, I love Easter have, eggers cheeks. They got the, like the little fuzzy <laughs> yeah, cheeks, but, right?
1: We've <laughs> got Cochins, um, some Arakanas.
0: Okay. Um, but yeah, I got blue eggs, green eggs, brown eggs, all the eggs. We've got all the, all the different
1: <laughs> colors. So, um, we've had salmon Mm. We've had a wide variety of birds over the years. And so that's also helped us to kind of um, raise a different variety so that as we're, you know, talking with people who are raising a variety of animals, we can talk about some of the challenges that we've seen yeah, um, with their, like, you know, recently we just had a heat wave Mm -hmm. and we went through and we found our coaches did not like that heat. Right. 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 Um, You know, we've had, we've had heat waves before this last one was pretty extreme the temperatures got way up there and um those those heavy feathered birds just that was too much heat yeah um, for those birds so that's you know we learned the lesson and then as you know i'm out talking with other people and we talk talking about heat like there are things you can do to heat but um, those birds just they're right. overwhelmed and so you know we we able to raise the silkies. Uh, We've raised some old English game chickens. So Mm -hmm. we're raising a variety of things. So when people say, well, my specific breed Mm -hmm. needs this, I'm like, well, maybe maybe it doesn't. They're all chickens. The nutrition's really the same. So Mm -hmm. um, we hear a lot of times people with silkies say that Mm -hmm. they need a different level of nutrition. And um, we've raised silkies at the farm. We've
0: feeding them the same thing we Mm -hmm. feed
1: you know the the Orpingtons and the Hard yeah. Rocks, and um, those birds are doing just fine. So
0: there we go. Okay, silky people, let's get off of our our soapbox.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right? Birds are adorable, right? They're they really different <laughs> nutritionally. They don't need
0: right they, their needs aren't different. Yeah, my silkies, they just need tutoring. That's what they <laughs> need. They're beautiful birds, but they can't find a door to save their life. I understand that. So, what are some of your favorite breeds?
1: Oh. Favorite breeds, so um, Seabrights.
0: Okay, I've never had one of those. Yeah, I, I
1: really like the Seabrights, I just okay. think that that scallop look mm-hmm. on their feathers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, it takes me back to my days of having cockatiels. Too.
0: Oh, yeah, they are pretty, but yeah, I yeah, uh-huh. get, that, get
1: that look on it too. So, mm-hmm. I do like um, mm-hmm. that, and it's you know, that's really one probably one of my favorites. And okay. The Salmon Faberals are
0: also, yeah, uh, a fun. Fun looking breed. you just pick all the chickens with tough names like <laughs> right. salmon Favreau. you right. made that up that's not even a real breed I'm just kidding <laughs> so doc with this chicken names right you hear some of these names like Henriettas that this isn't that so what is your favorite chicken name
1: oh I like Jennifer Henniston I
0: like that I like I I like I had a I had a roost Willis before <laughs> a roost Willis yeah. yes
1: <laughs> we don't get a whole lot of names for the, for the roosters, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the, the female names, you know, people playing mm-hmm. off the celebrity names, yeah. you know, Oprah Henry one of my favorites. Oh yeah,
0: that is, names. that's a good that one. That's a
1: good one. Mm-hmm. The penny
0: yeah. a, yep. that, so. I like that. I like that a lot. So if you had to choose one breed of chicken, for let's just say you're on a desert island, right? You can only have one breed of chicken and you know, you're going to be on this desert island for at least six months. So, you know, you, you may need some eggs. You may need some meat. You, yeah. you, you may need a companion, right? <laughs> Cause you know, you, you're by yourself. So right? you might, you might, you need a chicken that's also kind of social. So we, we'd want the trifecta chicken.
1: I think I'd probably have to go with an Orpington.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay.
1: They're, they're good egg layers. Um, they tend to be friendly, mm-hmm. sociable. Um, so you might get some good companionship. And then, you know, if she stops laying eggs and worse comes to worse, they're also a bit of a dual purpose bird. So she's got a little bit of meat on her. So right. if I had to sacrifice, her,
0: <laughs> there we go. The orbit. have a meal for a day or two. There you go. Orbiton is a survival man's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Orpington. I love Blue. I have a lavender Orpington. She's really sweet, nice, walks up on you, pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So I I can see that.
1: Yeah. I think the the Orpingtons, you know, the the Labradors. Yeah. The Labradors
0: of chickens. Okay. So who was the Rottweiler of chickens?
1: (laughs) That that, can vary. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, it, there's so much personality Mm -hmm. in the chickens that, you know, you could get an Orpington. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. to Everyone else. And you could get one that's uh, just the lover. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you'll see that too, with a lot of
0: uh, roosters. Yeah.
1: You'll get, you know, roosters get a bad name. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not all.
0: They're not all. I had a coaching rooster. I had a little coaching rooster. His (laughs) name, his name was legs. Cause he had those furry legs and he was so cool. He's just one just around, oh, and do his little rooster dance. He used to run up to me and jump on my lap, but HOA, I right. had to rehome him. Right. But he was cool, legs was the man, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, I mean, you'll see that. I mean, it's so much personality. I mean, it's like anything with people, dogs, mm-hmm. cats, whatever. Yep. You know, some of them are gonna be super friendly, mm-hmm. and others could care less that you're there, yeah. Um, you know, you're gonna see that with your chickens, they're gonna be happy when you feed them, mm-hmm. but once you're done feeding them some of them be like, all right, it's time for you to go. Yeah. Like i am done with you. Yeah. You served your purpose. Like cats.
0: They're like cats. Cat chickens. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: but then, you know, if you want your animals, your chickens to kind of be personal, I mean, spending as much time as you can with them kind of helps to get through that. They're just, some that you're you're never going to get through. I've got a cat at home that we've had her for three years now. And she doesn't want anything, nothing to do with people unless you got food. Just me. Oh, you doesn't. She likes the kids and the wife, but you know, that's you. Like,
0: nah. Yeah, I don't want the chicken guy around me. He's <laughs> home. Oh, man. Well, we're going to pray for you in the cat's relationship. (laughs) So cool, man. We appreciate you coming by, man. Um, Any advice? What's one piece of advice, if you could, you would give yourself when you're coming out of chicken school and you're ready to hit the world and spread your wings? That was a lot of puns and ones. If y'all can feel free to unfollow me after this. (laughs) One piece of advice you would give yourself knowing that you'll be where you are now. Oh
1: man, I'd be like, stay the course, Mm. you know, because the path isn't always straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it wanders and meanders. Uh, You know, I've been through several jobs Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of finding my path. I've Mm -hmm. lived in Illinois, I've been in California, North Carolina, Missouri. So, um, you know, kind of just know what you're good at, Mm -hmm. know what you're passionate about, and then just, you know, let the
0: universe show you the path to get there. There we go. And apply to the Purina job. <laughs> That's it, right. Dr. Biggs. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. We had a blast. You guys stay tuned. We got more on the way. This has been another wonderful, excellent adventure with our celebrity guest, Dr. Patrick Biggs. You can catch him on Purina Feed Greatness page and giving out all that great advice and stuff like this. We appreciate you, man. There we go. Hit the hype bell on the way out. See y'all next episode. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Excellent Adventures powered by Blackyard Chickens. Now, if you think you want to raise your own backyard flock, here's the site for you. Blackyardchickens.com. We make entertaining videos about raising baby chicks from scratch. You know what I mean by from scratch, right? Or maybe you want to learn how to take care of your own big chickens or hens and get those fresh eggs, building a coop or buying a coop. Having the necessary things inside that coop to get great egg production. You'll learn a lot of the neat tricks I've picked up along the way from other chicken enthusiasts. And you can get pretty eggs just like those. So follow us on social media and check us out on our YouTube channel.